Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the May 2009 edition of Poetry Super Highway Live. It's our monthly open reading, and you, you, yes, you, you are invited to call in and read your work. Uh, if you're listening, we'd love to hear your, your poetry. The phone number to call in is area code 646-716-7362. And uh, read anything you want. We have no content or style restrictions. We are open to any form of spoken word or poetry that you may have in your repertoire. And uh, we've been doing this for just over a year, a year and year and a half. I don't know, a year and some amount of time. I have to check the records to see exactly how long it is. And we've had many, many people call in and read. And you should add yourself to that roster of folks. My name is Rick Lupert. I am the MC here. I am the guy behind the Poetry Superhighway. I am I'm a lot of things. Uh, some of them not so nice. I ask around. You'll hear. Um, so it's good to be here with you on this Sunday afternoon. Um, a couple of things going on here on the Poetry Superhighway that I'd like to tell you about. You may have seen recently we made an announcement um, promoting our upcoming summer poetry contest. This is going to start in July, and we do this every single month. We've done it for, not every single month, every single year. We've done it for quite some time. And uh, this is the 12th year of the contest, and um, every single year we have a large roster of people who donate books and services which are of specific interest to poets and writers. And just for entering the contest, well, what happens is we, we get a very large roster of prizes. And that has enabled us to do something unique, which um, I don't know that any other contest does, which is we give a prize to every single person for entering. So this isn't a call for, for entries just yet, but uh, the, the purpose of sponsoring is that uh, your book or service or website or whatever it is that you have to offer will definitely go out to someone, and it will be promoted uh, heavily in the Poetry Superhighway in all of our contest-related correspondence. So since we put out our call for sponsors, um, I guess it was a week and a half or two weeks ago, we have a, a pretty good-sized roster already. People have donated cash. People have donated books, uh, subscriptions to different um, types of resources online for uh, poets. The full roster will be uh, published when we actually start the contest in July. So add yourself to that roster. You got a book you want to donate. You got, um, I don't know, a magazine subscription. You run a website that uh, requires a subscription. Uh, you offer a service which would be of specific interest to poets and writers. It's all good, and it will all go to uh, someone who enters the contest. We, we typically have had about 500 entries, the average of our last uh, several years of the contest. So um, it, it's not just that every single person gets a prize. It's a, we have judges. Uh, typically, I invite the previous year's winners to uh, to be the judges of the subsequent year's contest. And um, they, uh, uh, they score all of the entered poems. There's a $1 per poem entry fee. And um, so, which means that there are three actual winners of the contest. So in addition to everyone getting a prize of interest to poets and writers donated by all the sponsors, what happens is uh, you might win the contest too, because uh, three poets do rise to the top. And um, they win, uh, so we, we collect all this money from entry fees, and that money, 100% of it, is divided up amongst all of the people who entered. Um, in addition, they get published on the, 
on the Poetry Superhighway website. Anyway, it's really cool. It's awesome. You should participate in some way, both by entering the contest when, when July rolls around. Um, and right now, uh, as I mentioned, we're looking for sponsors. So if you go to the Poetry Superhighway website, poetrysuperhighway.com, click on the Poetry Superhighway icon, and then right there it will say Sponsor the 2009 Contest. All the guidelines are there. And uh, you can fill out a form and, and let us know what you'd like to donate. And um, it'll be a great thing for everybody. It'll be awesome. If you have any questions about sponsoring the contest uh, or you uh, are thinking about entering in the future, you can call in and ask those questions as well. More than happy to take your questions about really anything related to the Poetry Superhighway. Um, but most importantly right now, it is an open reading. And you are invited to call in. The number is, again, 646. 716-7362. Um, I identify callers by the uh, area code that you're calling in. So if you have a blocked telephone number, um, it's kind of actually helpful before you call in if you just disable caller, caller ID blocking so I can uh, not just call out into the wilderness for someone, uh, but I can say, hey, caller from the such and such area code, uh, and uh, then you'll know it's you. Uh, so again, the number to call in is 646 716-7362. I'm going to start off with a caller from the 863 area code. Hello. Um, hello, Rick. This is yeah. Noreen. This is Noreen Jenkins, and I got a poem called "The Scenery of the Nightlife." Okay. Okay. Um, run-down vacant buildings, litter strewn on the streets, unsightly weeds have flourished, broken glass scattered on the cracked sidewalk. Over there, standing on the corner, was an immoral harlot luring an innocent, lonely young man into her trap, the bed of destruction. Over yonder, roaming the streets, was an unkempt vagrant begging for loose chains to buy him a bottle of cheap wine. There was a sad, lonely runaway teen begging for loose chains to get food for his aching stomach and seeking shelter to lay down his weary body. Oh, how sad and gloomy it is to watch the scenery of the nightlife. Okay. That's a nice one, Noreen. Remind us all, no, don't, don't hang up. Uh, where, remind us where you're, calling, where you're calling from. Um, Lake Wells, Florida. And, and Lake Wells. Lake Wells, Florida. And, and my, right. uh, wait, okay, you wanted, okay, and, and, and my husband who got a poem too, he wants to read. Okay, okay well, let's, let's get him on. Hello? Hello, who am I talking to? Uh, Gary Snyder. Hi, Gary. Uh, this is Rick Looper. Welcome to Poetry Superhighway Live. Uh, thank you. This is the first time we've ever had a husband and wife call in on the uh, the same phone call, sharing poems. It's a beautiful uh, thing. Hey, thank you. Yeah, we, and, we, uh, share, we share the poetry thing a little bit together. And uh, I have a lot of other work to do, so I don't do very much. But she's been doing poetry for years, and we've been together about 11 years, so I kind of got into a little bit of it. And I read a, there was a There was a man who put a challenge on a uh, on our computer for using certain words to make a poem out of it, and I did it, and he seemed to like it pretty good. It's called A Musician's Love. You still there? Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. Oh, you want me to go ahead and recite it? Yeah, please. Okay. The name of the poem is A Musician's Love. The violin hears as I bow, 
forever drawing it to and fro, never-ending, cycle-like, tunes of practice done just right. The violin rests, no more sound. Skies darken and the night settles down. As I leave a wanton wanderer full of thought, it makes no difference if it's sweet or hot. The pictures of probability is what I see to embellish the spellbound dream for me. That's it. What were the words that you uh, that that were part of the challenge that you had to make that poem out of? What was the what? You you said you wrote that poem uh, because you got a challenge on a website where you had to use certain words in the poem. Yes, yes, they provided certain words, and uh, like probability, spellbound, uh, some of your larger words that I'd have never probably thought of. And I made up the story to go with it and some of my own words, of course, a lot of them. But uh, they hadn't included certain words like that. So I uh, decided to uh, somehow just wrote what I wrote. And what, what, was his, what was his name? This man might know him. Oh, somebody from Freedom of Speech or something. Was this a, a particular website that you went to? Or, or how, what's, where did you get this challenge? In case other people are looking for... You know, a poetry challenge themselves, where can they go to find this? Sure. What was the name of that website, honey? The Freedom of Speech. The name of it is thefreedomofspeech.com, the I believe. Is it .com? Yes. Okay, yeah, freedomofspeech.com. Think of that guy's name. Fantastic. Matrix. Matrix was his name that he goes by. I think he lives in a foreign land. Uh, I think it's kind of a <laughs> professor, actually. But he's he's pretty uh pretty knowledgeable in this poetry stuff, extremely knowledgeable. That's great. Well, you know, uh, this show theoretically, since it's broadcast over the internet, is heard in all the lands. So uh, someone someone hearing it might might be in that foreign land, and it might not actually be a foreign land to them. Uh huh. Interesting enough. Well, uh, listen. Uh, another question: Do you and uh, do you and Noreen head to? Uh, Local poetry readings around your community, or do you just do it on on uh, on the internet? And or what what do you do? Have you been to a in-person poetry reading? Uh, she she has produced a uh, a book of poetry, uh, and had it published. And we have went downtown Lake Wales here to sell books. But uh, people walking the streets are not interested in buying poetry books that this you know haven't been for a couple of years. But anyway, we went there a few times. We haven't went to any readings. And we okay. have went to, uh, you know, promote the book a little bit, like to the local uh, bookstore down in the mall down here. And that's about it, because it takes a lot of money to go uh, running around and stuff. And uh, if you don't make no money, you're going in a hole. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> and no we, got up, we got up close to $2,000 probably invested. And uh, and. We made back seven or eight hundred, and I'm probably about four hundred in the hole. It's all right now, but we did buy a few extra books more, which we still have. And uh, we, well, we we took our first round lesson. <laughs> you learn. Well, it's really a labor of love, you know, putting yes, art it is. At, at, at this level. So it's it's um, you know it's uh, you know it, it sounds like if you've already made you know that chunk of money, you'll eventually make the rest back. And if you can break even, that's great. But, you know, one of the one of the things is just, you know, you might consider doing this. If there are poetry readings around town, you know, besides just showing up at the bookstore or, or hawking your books on the street, which is an interesting um, way of going about it, if, you, if there's a reading already happening, you know, that's kind of local or in a nearby town, if you go to it and 
participate in the open reading there and let people know you have books. And not only might people buy them because they're there and they're obviously interested in poetry, but you might get asked to say, hey, why don't you come back and be the featured reader sometime? I mean, that's a, that's a really great way to try and promote your, uh, to promote your book, I think. Oh, right. I appreciate your information. And uh, I believe there is a, a poetry group here in, in uh, Lake Wales, but we haven't went to meet them yet, and we should have already because we had opportunities, and I just didn't do it. Well, I think well, I think I do need to get get uh, go take care of some of this stuff. Well, that's that's your assignment. So we do this show every month, and by the time next month rolls around, um, uh, Gary, I want you and Noreen to go check out the poetry reading group, and, and you're gonna you're gonna come back next month on the air and and let us know uh, what it's all about. Okay, that sounds well, great. Well, one other question: Lake Wells. I know, I know you're in Florida. Where where is that uh, in in relationship to the state of Florida? To a large. Uh, um, city Orlando is about 30 miles north of us, and if you okay, come straight, straight south on uh, Route 27 is a main route. It's about uh, 30 miles south of uh, Orlando. Okay, so is it, is it on the east or west coast, or is it kind of in the middle? Or uh... exactly middle. We're on the ridge. Okay. Uh huh. Sounds like you got some good views. Oh yeah, <laughs> we still got right. lakes up here. <laughs> Plenty of lakes everywhere. Fantastic. Well, Gary, thanks so much for calling in, and please uh, say thanks to Noreen as well, and uh, good luck with your book. Okay. Thanks a lot, buddy. We'll right, catch you next easy. month for Sounds sure. Good. That was okay. uh, uh, Gary Snyder calling from Lake Wells, Florida, and his wife uh, preceded him, Noreen Jenkins, also from Lake Wells, Florida, conveniently enough, husband and wife who live together. Uh, that's the way we do it here in Southern California. Um, so... Uh, it's kind of a first, actually. We've never had two people call in on on one line. It's uh, suddenly uh, the poetry reading is a is a family event. Uh, maybe maybe you who are listening want to call in uh, and have your relatives, your sons, your daughters, your your wives, your husbands, your aunts, your uncles, whoever lives in your house, uh, put them on the air with their poetry too. Uh, it's a whole new thing we're trying here at Poetry Superhighway Live. The number to call in, and we do want to want you to call in. It's six four six. 716-7362, uh, completely open uh, to anything you want to read. Um, if you want to talk about your poetry website or your books that you have out, um, now's your chance to do it and promote them a little bit. Let us know what you're doing in your poetry community. I always like to talk to people a little bit about what, what they do. A lot of people go to different poetry readings all over the, the United States or different parts of the world, and you never know when someone else is uh, listening from the same part of the world who may not know about that reading and just helps get the word, literally the word, get it, haha, <laughs> out there, and uh, and it's a good thing for everyone. So call in, let's hear your poetry, and of course we're taking any questions you might have about sponsoring the upcoming uh, 2009 Summer Poetry Contest. The number is 646-716-7362. Moving now to a caller from the 845 area code. Hello. Hello. Um, <clears throat> My name is Michael Bernard, and uh, I'm re representing the Hudson Valley, New York. Uh, I, I just want to say, first off, I, I really respect what you've been doing for uh, poetry, Mr. Lupert. I've been getting the emails from you guys for a very long time, and I have accessed a lot of the links that, that come through there. Uh, I had not, up until yesterday, really noticed about the, the this radio show, but uh, like you're doing a fantastic job. 
Well, thanks, Michael. And and for the love of God, don't call me Mr. Loopers. <laughs> I'm uh, Rick, and uh, happy to be called that. Uh, okay. Uh, but uh, cool. So Hudson Valley, New York, is where you yeah. where you're from. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just recently, uh, about a year ago, like I attended a reading here, and uh, like I had intentions to read some of my own poetry, but. Uh, the the poets that went before me were all just so good. Like I was like, you know, I don't even deserve to be on stage with them. And one of those people were was a uh, uh, beat poet, Richard Reezy, and uh, he's pre- he's pretty well known. And after the event, like I was talking to him, and I said, and I told him that I had intended to read, but after I saw him, like I was kind of uh, afraid to. And, and he's like, if you ever come again, and he's like, and I definitely want you to, and you don't read, I'm gonna kick your butt. So. Um, <laughs> So like a week before my birthday uh, last month, uh, I, I just happened. I don't even remember exactly why. I just went to the library, and uh, which isn't completely unusual, but just for it to be that day, I went and I saw that they were going to have another reading that night. So I went and I read, and he's invited me to go with him to New Paltz, New York, in June. So uh, it's it's gone fantastically. And like what you were talking about with the the previous caller, I mean, it really is important to get in, into the community because poetry is is like the last vestige of literature that that is really pure. I mean, sometimes people go into it like with the hopes of, you know, fame and fortune and but really like most of us are are invested in it emotionally, you know, and I mean, I have my own book that I'm putting a little bit of money into now to get several copies so I can have them on hand and but I have pretty good success with people that I meet, you know, once they know that I have a book, you know, most people are like, hey, I'll buy it, you know, I want to see it. Uh, my book is titled Maya. Uh, it came out in uh, March of 2008. It's uh, 40 pages of poetry and uh, from earlier in this decade when I was a little bit younger. I'm 29 now. But uh, And then the other half of it, it's, it's 80 pages in all. The other half is um, lit- literary nonfiction about the time period of when I was writing the poems and, and directly preceding it. So uh, I think it's interesting for that because a lot of the times, you know, you, you can get a book of poetry and you don't really know who the people are or, or, or can place the the, the words in, into a context of understanding. But um, so, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to put myself too far underwater but like I look at it like any kind of investment I can make into literature it's it's more more worthwhile than any other kind of investment well that's you know that's a good way to put it if you especially if you you can afford it I mean there are also um, um, there's a lot of ways if, if you have kind of the knowledge to be able to lay something out and 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 do a little bit of graphics work there, there are ways really for very little money to um, to get your book um, Published, um, you know, through on-demand sites, and and we really can you can just order a few copies at a time. You know what oh I'm yeah, saying? I mean the the publisher that I'm with, Phoenix Fire Multimedia, they actually use uh, on-demand publishing through Cafe Press right now because um, as far as online sales go, it, it you know it, it works, and then we can buy them in bulk too when necessary. So we've actually found, and I'm actually very surprised because I've been a part of publishing almost since I turned 18 years old and now all the big publishing houses are, are starting to be in trouble and they're they're having problems and 
I mean, I saw it a long time ago that I don't understand why they don't go to on-demand publishing. I mean, if if it's if it's preventing them from making a profit for them to publish a thousand or you know a million copies of some book by somebody, and then they only sell a couple hundred thousand, I mean, they need to change their business model. But I mean, that's just my insight to the situation. Well, it makes sense, and, and some people are actually doing that quite successfully. I mean, if uh, the, the, the on-demand printing company that I've been using lately is called CreateSpace. It's actually a company that, that Amazon.com uh, uh, created. It's part of Amazon. And they've got all these success stories of people that, um, that have put their content you know, in a, you know, on through them who've, who've done really well with, with, with really no overhead costs whatsoever. You know? um, and it's a great way in, in particular, you know, this might apply to some people, if you're someone who had something in print a while back, you know, um, yeah. that went out of print, rather than doing a whole new print run, you know, this is a way to get it up and available, and in this case it instantly goes on Amazon as well. And it, you know, in most of these places, Cafe Press, etc., they do not just uh, books, but they, they're doing, um, you know, audio CDs and DVDs and all that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's, it's outside of your time and maybe ordering a few copies for yourself, you, you know, just, just as soon as you start selling any of them, if, if you are able to sell online, um, or promote it well enough to so that people develop an interest. You know, you're you're you break even extremely quickly. Yeah, um, I mean, see, I, I just caught the last part of, of what the the previous caller was saying. But I mean, he he, the a lot of people uh, they don't realize, and, and I think it, it's more prevalent even with poets than than necessarily writers. You know, book writers in general. Which is, you know, writing the book is, is just the first part. Like publishers, like when you go to a publisher, one of the things they look for is this going to be somebody that is dedicated to at least two years of pushing their book like every day, basically. You know, are they in this for the long haul? And and I I used to uh, do a literary magazine that I featured mostly poetry, and that was the funny thing that I found is so many of the poets they wanted to be published. But they didn't do anything to promote their, the fact that they were published, and, and they didn't read other poets. And and I, and Ad Winans, uh, the you know you might know, yeah. uh, me and him talked quite a few times, and he just told me, you know, he did I can't remember the name of his magazine, but he did one for 20 years, and he was talking about how strange it was that like you know he would have friends that he would put their 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 poems in the magazine, and he'd be sitting there when they they got their copy of the magazine. They'd flip and look at their their poem, and then close the magazine, not realizing that like the whole fun thing with with being in a magazine is like being able to say later on, oh, I was in a magazine with Eddie Winans and Richard Reese or something along that those lines, you know. And and that's something that, I mean, when it comes to going to poetry readings now here in the Hudson Valley uh, with Richard Reese, and there's several others too whose names escape me, uh, but. I mean, it, it feels to me kind of like, I mean, I don't know, like this is kind of like a dream come true, you know? Like these people knew my heroes like Allen Ginsberg and Ken Casey and uh, Jack Kerouac in their real life. And, and me, I was born after most of them were already dead, you know? And, and so it's kind of like a bridge between generations being able to go to a reading and, and meet the people that, that know the forefathers, you know? So, I mean, I, I know... And, and see, the Hudson Valley is lucky because, like Southern California, it, it's kind of a, 
uh, a nexus that that most people that are involved, especially with literature, end up being. You know, whether the, if they're not living in the city, New York City, then they end up living a little bit upstate. You know, and that's that's where I'm at. But uh, well, where? Tell me, uh, I I used to live in Syracuse, and I know where New York City is in some places. But what? Where exactly is the, is the Hudson Valley? Uh, it, it extends from basically the the Hudson Valley River Basin, like the city, all the way north to about Nyack, I think, is about as far as it goes. And um, uh, geographically, I mean, it, it, it might go further than that, but in this area, they call anything in between uh, the city and Nyack, basically, uh, the Hudson Valley. And it, it includes Poughkeepsie. Uh, and I know you've had some callers from Poughkeepsie before. Um, trying to think of some other ones. Middletown, Newburgh. Um, there's several big cities in this area. And it's kind of like a commuter haven, especially after 9-11. Like a lot of the people that have jobs in the city like now live in these uh, uh, commuter cities, basically. And uh, they drive back and forth or take the train to the city every day. Okay, so it's you know uh, accessible from 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 the main city. I, I get it. So kind of basically on the the eastern end of of New York, as it were. Oh yeah, like I could take the train and be in the city in an hour, and that's what I like about it because uh, I always grew up and heard the the old saying that uh, if you're a writer and you don't see the Chrysler Building every day, you don't exist. So <laughs> at least I know I can see it every day if I wanted to. That's that's, that's a very existential uh, uh, way to live, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So you got you got something to read? Yeah, I do. I, I've got uh, I've got two poems. I don't know if we got time for them both, but uh, um, this one. We I've do at the moment. Of, I'm sorry. We we definitely do at the moment. So okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Great. Uh, like the first one I'm going to do uh, is called Here and Now. Uh, this has actually been kind of the the fan favorite so far, and it's weird, like, when you create art, you never know which ones are going to catch on with people, because I have my own personal favorites, but this one has caught on with a couple of my uh, biggest fans, um, and this is here now. Come with me. It's here. It's now. Snap your fingers, and it's already gone. Can you feel this? Is it coming through yet? Look beyond, and keep searching. It is right there past all of that, and everything else you imagine. It is almost something you could never reach. To keep grasping so you crave like a fiend and cry when darkness overwhelms. When all the time it is right here, no past, no future. Snap your fingers and the world is already gone. By the time you remember to breathe, you might already be dead. Enter the stream, return once more, never return again. The end. <clears throat> Very nice, Michael. Yeah. Do so you uh, say that, that particular one uh, is resonated with, with people who you've, uh, you've read in front of, your fans, as you said? Yeah, yeah. Well, not not only just that, but like uh, uh, people that I've known personally that, that have bought my book. Like like I was saying, like most of my sales are through personal sales at this point, and so it'll be. It, it's funny people will get uh, even when I was giving out galley copies before the book was even published. Like they would come back to me and they're like, "This one is really my favorite," and and I was always sitting there like because I think of it, you know, in the in the context of. 40 pages of poetry, I think of it as being somewhere in the middle, you know, like I wrote it somewhere in the middle, and so, like, it doesn't really jump out at me as being one of the big ones, but, like, in the end, as an artist, what you're looking for is to provoke an emotional reaction in somebody else, and that's a very hard thing to do purposefully, you know, and so when it does happen, like, 
it sticks with me. So, but I I promised a couple of them that I'd read that one here today. <laughs> oh, cool. You should uh, if they're listening, they should call in and read their own work too. Um, let me let me give out the number one more time. It's uh, area code six four six seven one six seven three six two. Um, I got a lot of open phone lines, and would love to hear from uh, anyone in the world who wants to share poetry today. I'm talking with Michael Bernard from the Hudson Valley right now. Um, I, I was just uh, I just noticed on the internet that A.D. Winans' uh, uh, magazine was called Second Coming. Yeah, that was it. That was it. I was I was I was thinking the word dimensions was in it, but yeah, Second Coming. That's right. Um, it says it says he edited it. He published it for 17 years. Um, and that's where, you know, through that he became kind of compadres with people like uh, Bob Kaufman, Jack Micheline, Charles Bukowski, etc. Um, and I believe he's, he's submitted work to the Poetry Superhighway before. I think the reason why I'm most familiar with him is because I've, um, he's participated in, in stuff that we've done uh, online. So, um, so cool. Yeah, he, he's an awesome guy. He's very, very accessible. I remember, like, I had just started or restarted my magazine, and it, it was online, so I guess it was easy, but I had just restarted it, and I was just so amazed that he would take an email from me, much less, like, actually, like, give me insight into the world that he knew so well, but um, he, he let me publish the, like, his account on the life of uh, Bob Kaufman in, in it, and I was very appreciative of that, because, like, just like him, I believe that he was one of the, the most underrated people of his generation, you know. Mm. What's the name of your magazine? Uh, it was called uh, High Contrast, uh, Literature of the Digi- Digital Evolution. Um, I, I, I kind of got away from doing it because, I, I don't know, it, it's hard to – I was trying to do it on a daily basis, like daily updates, and that was really the only way that you can try to get everybody in. But then at the same time, like I, I was doing it all by myself, and it was taking a lot of work. But I always look at someday maybe trying to start it again. I mean, it's a labor of love, you know, and it's just trying to find that hour or two every single day to try to do it. No, no doubt. Um, is it is it still archived on the on the internet? If people want to check it out, you said it was an internet thing, or was it a yeah, yeah online? Yeah. And if you're doing it daily, actually, uh, it, it was like I was using the the MySpace blog for it. Uh, I don't not like I think the the address for it is uh, MySpace.com forward slash Maya by Michael J. Bernard because like I had started it as a as a profile to p- promote my book and then I realized like u- utilizing the blog to uh, network with other people and, and start something with that was a very valuable thing and I, and I that's kind of I'm sorry I was going to say that's, that's kind of how the poetry superhighway started it started as this was before MySpace or any social networking site um, back in 90s I guess it was um, the uh, it was my own website, you know, where I was going to put up my own poetry and see what happened. But the, you know, there's only so much, you know, interest people have in visiting the same person's website over and over. And so it kind of turned into a publication. I was like, well, maybe I'll put some other people's poetry up, and then they'll come back. And I, it's sort of the, you know, I realized a long time ago that the key to a successful website is is changing content, you know, because otherwise people won't come back, you know, so that's the Poetry Superhighway, which really just started as an extension of my personal website, took on its own life and became uh, what it is now, you know, weekly updated with all the different things that we do. So it sounds like uh, your uh, your project, uh, High Contrast, uh, 
started the same way? Yeah, basically. And um and and I and I kinda took the, the, the eighty wine end rule too, which was like I didn't put any of my own stuff in high contrast, but I would put links to my stuff in other places, you know. Only because like for some reason to me it, it seems kind of too self promoting. And and like if anybody would have looked at the profile itself that have saw the name was like, you know, myself promoting myself and that that was the the extent of as far. But I I got a chance to work with a lot of great people other than eighty wine ends. Uh Richard Grayson was a he's a writer here in New York. Um John uh Sanders is a is a poet. I think he's now in Southern California and uh like I might send him a link or or point him in you guys' direction because he's he's one of the most excellent poets I've met through MySpace and uh he's got a very big following. I think I think last time I saw his friend count was something like sixty thousand and what I mean wow. by that is like, you know, some people can go on MySpace and just get a million friends but He's not like that. What it is is all these people go and tell their friends, like, "Wow, you need to check this guy out." And he's a very accessible kind of guy. So, uh, what's his name again? John Sanders. Um, I'll look for him. You know, it's interesting. I, I have the same philosophy about the Poetry Superhighway. I never publish myself in a publication, so I've never put my own work on the Poetry Superhighway. Or if I'm editing an anthology, I won't include my own work, because it seems like, um, at least from my opinion, uh, my perspective, you, you've you sort of removed a bias um, about the publication if you choose to include your own work. Um, yeah. That having been said, there, there are many people who, who do that, who do put their own work on their own website, and they, they it, it, it doesn't mean that their work is bad or that the publication is bad, but it, it for me, it, it, you know, it, it seems like it's, it's not the best way to go if you want to... Um, have the appearance of not having a bias, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, uh, I, I've been following online literature since 1996, and uh, um, it seems like the heyday uh, of it was like in the late 90s, and I remember I could send in stuff and, and hear back from the editors of the website like within a day or two, and nowadays like they have a lead time that's almost as bad as print, you know, like I'm, I've sent in stuff and it's taken me six months to not hear back from people and six months is like my cutoff point because I know if I send it into the the Saturday evening post, like I'm going to hear back from them within six months at least, you know. But um, the the thing that I, one of the things that I think was the downfall of it other than the lead time looking now and seeing that like, you know, literally hundreds of really quality uh, publications and easings have disappeared is like I think it got a little too clicky like you you would have the editor and they would publish you know their own stuff and then there are six or eight friends every single issue and I think I think that was part of like kind of the demise of of that model because it's not as prevalent as it once was I remember there used to be 70 different easings that I knew about and had been published in as as late as 1998 and now, like, I go to all the same websites, and they're all disappeared, you know. I mean, I don't well, there, there are links uh, on the Poetry Superhighway in the online publications links section to a, a few hundred different different online publications. And, um, I, you know, I check them regularly just to make sure the links work, but not per se to see if they're still actively publishing. But, uh, you know, if you, when I look at the credits that that people send in for where they've been published, you know, some people send long, long lists of places and the majority of which are online. So I, I'm not 100% convinced that it's true that, that the heyday is gone or that there aren't still 
tons and tons of things out there that are still actively actively publishing work and seeking submissions. Um, I um, I definitely believe that because that's one of the things I've been using the Poetry Superhighway emails for for quite a while is whenever I would have something that I wanted to send in, whether it was literary nonfiction, fiction, or poetry, like I would check with uh, the emails, like the latest email, and just you know look around and, and see what was active. I guess what I meant by the heyday is, I mean, it's almost like the Internet. At first it was like, you know, the Internet bubble, and then it bursted, and then it, it, it evolved. And, and I, I'm definitely of the belief that it's evolved, like seeing things like what you're doing now with this radio show and, um, I mean, podcasts of all types. I think I think it's just evolved away from – because it used to be just static websites, you know. And, and now I think there's – like I've seen a lot more innovative multimedia work you know, like integrated flash and all kinds of stuff like that. Right. Well, the technology definitely evolves, and I guess the, the idea is, you know, if you want to be successful on the web, you kind of got to gotta stay with it. Yeah. Uh, I, I know the, 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 my website is certainly due for an update in, in terms of technolo technology. I remember how much... Uh, how great I thought it was in terms of the way it looked, you know, the first few years compared to other websites. I mean, there was a tendency early on for really kind of messy design and putting every everything that you could that blinked on and off, you know, on a web page. And, and I was a really big fan of, I still am in design of, of white space and things like that. But uh, but there's but there's you know, and interestingly enough, I, I think the I don't know what you think about this, but the portal websites like like Facebook and MySpace and etc. They they really have gone in the opposite direction. They're they're not per se clean, you know, designs that are really simple. They're they're more complex with all kinds of things filling every every inch of space. But those have really become the most successful web destinations. I think because the interactivity of it that was something that worked for uh high contrast was like the fact that people knew that they could interact with me and uh through a social network and they could understand like who they're dealing with. Like I mean sending in like if you were to go by the writer's market, for example, and you just send in st poetry and stories to all these magazines like the Shenandoah Review, like you might not even know where that is and you see the editor's name, but that doesn't have any kind of resonance for you. Whereas you can go to a social networking site and boom, there's the person in front of you. Like you can get a good feel for who they are, their aesthetic, what they're looking for, you know. And, and the interactivity of they could send me a poem and, and they could see it in the magazine within a few days, you know, so... I mean, yeah, that's I mean that, that's pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but don't you think that most of the sites that I mean maybe it's not true, but most of the places that are listed in places like the Poets Market actually have a web presence as well. Most of them do nowadays, but a lot of them still don't take electronic submissions, which I find like I don't really understand it. I think maybe it's because they want to cut down on multiple submissions, but. And that's another thing I never really understood, you know, is multiple submissions and, like, the, the prejudice. But really, it, I think it goes back to the mid-'90s in, in that the, the print publishing world, I think, a long time ago felt some kind of threat from Internet publishing. I mean, look at the reluctance of a lot of these newspapers to give up, you know, printing a physical copy every day when they get more visitors to their actual website, you know, like Washington Post. I read the Washington Post website every single day. I can't remember the last time I saw one in real life, but they still print them, and they're losing money doing that. And I don't understand, like, you know, the and, – and it goes with, you know, literary magazines also is it seems like they, they 
there's some kind of reluctance from from the old world to give up on on their old models of doing things but i mean i would point them to the to the auto industry and say look those guys are making the same decisions that you guys are making right now and and look at where it's gotten them i mean the new york times just had to like get subsidized by a, a mexican investor and i mean like i think I think Park Avenue and Madison Avenue, I think they're going to have some big decisions to make eventually. Um, I think if you looked at places like the Black Warrior Review or the Shenandoah Review and uh, other smaller but well-respected literary magazines, I think most of them already do have some sort of Internet presence, but I think that in the future you're going to see them migrate to an almost entirely Internet presence, only because it's 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 almost... I mean, it's a matter of survival, basically. No doubt, and, and certainly there's enough revenue in uh, in online advertising to offset the uh, print advertising, which which supported those publications for so long, um, or display advertising, as it were. I, I just wanted to. I just reminded me the the Poetry Superhighway is actually officially looking for Mexican investors. <laughs> So that's that's just I just you know I wanted to announce that here and you you reminded me to do that. So if you know any, you know we'll, we take checks in in any form of cash and uh, and it all goes to help support poetry across Definitely. the world. Definitely, and I think literature is one of the one of the few very pure things that's that that's still out there that's not somehow corrupted by, I mean, politics and, and finance and everything else. I think it's it's still one of the things that I mean really. You can go back 2,000 years in human history, and the only reason that we know about most of it is because of writers. You know, without writers, like we wouldn't know who we were, or where we came from. True. I mean, you know, when, when you said earlier that, that you think poetry is the only pure art form left, um, you know, I suppose you could find impurities in poetry, or, or the way that people write or produce their their work, or in any kind of writing, or in any kind of art form, and I. I I suppose in a more optimist uh, uh, thought stream, one would imagine there are purists uh, involved in every form of art that exists today. And maybe it's not what we hear about most, but it, but certainly it, it must be true that it is, that it's that they're there. Oh yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, most fine, like fine painters and and that I that I know of, and I know several. Um, I mean, they're not in it for the fame and the fortune, and and I think I think maybe some of my prejudice comes from the fact that like I'm also a writer, uh, like aspiring novelist basically, and uh, I mean I see these big best-selling books be made, but it's just like the latest controversy. It's like Octomom or something like that. You know, that's the only things that are really getting bought. And you and you, if you took all the 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 real purest writers, like the people that are trying to be the next Dostoevsky or, or Jack Kerouac. I mean, they're the ones that you never hear about because their stuff isn't being made into movies, and because it's not being made into movies, it's not being published by one of the big houses. So, that, I mean, that's kind of like one of my hobbies, I guess. Is I, I'm, I'm a big fan of like the the small market book. I, I like to find them. I, I found one last week that was written by a guy who was a contemporary, basically, of uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and the, and the writing style was almost identical. And I mean. That was like a dream come true. I was like, this is like an extra F. Scott Fitzgerald book, one that nobody's ever heard of, and it was great. It was about like 1920s Miami, and, and generally kind of the same way as as uh, like how uh, Gatsby captures like the spirit of New York in that same time period. 
and even the and it was written contemporarily. So like I mean, it, it's just kind of an interesting take on it because you know Gatsby wasn't written to be a record of a of a generation, but it ended up being one. And this book was just written to be like basically like a a mystery. And like I'm sitting there and I'm reading about the setting and stuff and and realizing like wow this is this is this could be like an important kind of document of like where Miami was at almost 100 years ago because I mean Miami really only boomed I think in the 1960s or 50s so mm. and this, was, this was basically a writing about Miami in its provincial days which I found very interesting well I don't know when I when I go to Miami it seems like it's perpetually under construction and, and expanding and it's a city that looks different every time I'm there almost but uh, yeah. But um, well, listen. I want to hear your poem, and then maybe ask you, uh, uh, unless any other callers uh, come in, um, about any readings you know that you might participate in in the Hudson Valley or in any hot spots in in the, in the city itself that you want to shout out to. Um, okay. So uh, let me give out let me give out the number one more time: six four six seven one six seven three six two. We've got about fifteen minutes left in the show. If, you want to call in and read your work, now's the chance to do it. It's an open reading. We'd love to hear you. So, Michael, let's hear your other poem. Okay. This one's called They Say the End. They say the end of days are near. Every 20 years, another war starts. The market crumbles. Someone important dies or is born. Another prominent figure goes environmentalist. New catastrophes, new enemies. It will never be the same again. The dreams we held dear are so far away. Visions of apocalyptic nightmares. They say the end of days are near, because what we once thought sure has become suspect. Crime goes up, the glaciers recede, inflation goes up, freedom is repealed, pollution piles up, species have disappeared. They say the end of days are here. Dictators and presidents and lobbyists and pundits and local politicians, judges and advocates, law enforcement and multinationals, citizens and criminals, men of God and children of the damned. They say the end of days are here. We listen. We hear. We have heard this all before, and we console ourselves with doubt and hope, maybe not this year. The end. Cool. But, uh, well, I, I hope the days don't end too soon. Yeah. I mean, it, that's the funny, like, I wrote this, that poem, I think I wrote this one in uh, 2006, thereabouts. And, uh, I mean, I can see all these cycles have happened again since then, at least once, if not twice. You know, like a new environmental catastrophe, a new a new uh, economic catastrophe, wars that never seem to end, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like, that kind of stuff, really, like, sometimes it'll, it'll, it'll kind of build up in me for a while, and I end up writing a poem about it, but sometimes, like, I haven't even been able to turn on my TV in, like, two weeks, just because every time I turn it on, I'm, I'm seeing the news, and every time I'm seeing the news, it's just, like, an endless repeat of the same thing, you know? So. Right. So, Michael, are there any readings uh, where where you live? What what city do you live in, by the way? I live in Montgomery. Uh, Montgomery. Are there, are there any readings close by you that you can uh, mention? Oh yeah, uh, on June 11th at the New Paltz Public Library, uh, the new library, because a lot of people there like they they'll ask, like around here will ask which library because apparently they have a new one, and it's going to be at the new library, uh, the public library in New Paltz. It's going to be an uh, open reading with uh, Richard Reese. I, I will be there. Uh, your feature artist, Catherine, um, I'm sorry, I, the name escapes me at this moment, like the one of the two featured write, uh, poets. Kimberly this E. Ruth. Uh, Kimberly yes, E. Yeah. Ruth is one of the featured poets this week, and that's why New Paltz uh, jumped, you know, was immediately familiar to me because she's from New Paltz, New York. So, yeah, yeah. I loved her work. Uh, she's 
She's a featured poet right now. She just went up yesterday, so you should check out her work by clicking on Poets of the Week. I, I checked out her blog, and uh, like I sent her an email earlier today inviting her to come, so hopefully she'll be there. And there's there's several other poets who are normally in attendance anytime Richard Breezy is there, and it's always an excellent show. Like like I said, the first time I went to it, I was so intimidated, I was afraid to read, so it's always a good one. So whether you're a fan or a poet, it, it's something that I, I highly recommend coming for. Cool. And is there is there like a regular like reading series, like an open reading or something, if people just wanted to come and read their work sometime? Everybody? There's not one that I know about just yet. Uh, I was thinking of uh, emailing Richard sometime soon to ask him that same question just because like I'm trying to get a little bit more involved. Um, but if there's not, like I would like to say that I'm going to try to work on getting there to be one around here soon because I know there's an interest because every time he does one here in Walden or Montgomery, um, there, it's you know almost standing room only. So I mean, there's definitely interest in it. So I hope I hope there is a a, a local continuous thing. I actually uh, I think I sent an email also today. You had um, the I think in February you featured. Tony uh, from the Hudson Poets Group, and I sent him an email also inviting them to come to New Paltz, and, and if not that, at least to try to get a little bit more information about their reading series. So, but they they look like they they look like they're doing really good with their thing. But that I think they're a little bit closer to the city. I think they might actually be in the city. I think he said he was from the Bronx. So. I'm not sure who that is offhand, but um, yeah, but uh, the February one show. Oh, he was on the air, not not yeah. a, not a yeah. okay. Uh, so a call. Is there anything? Do you, do you ever head into Manhattan uh, to to go to a reading? Is there like a regular series that you know about that you sometimes get to? Uh, there's a a thing at the. It's called the Roots and Ruckus. It's uh it's kind of like a a folk show that happens every Wednesday. Uh, I can't remember the name of the bar. I think it's the Jalopy, something along those lines. You can you can search it online, the Roots and Ruckus. But um, they they basically kind of have like a an open mic situation where like if you're a folk artist you can perform, or if you're a poet you can read. Uh, there's also the Antagonist Art Movement. I'm not sure how active they still are, but they used to have a weekly show. I think it was also on Wednesdays. Um, I don't get to the city as much as I would like to. Trust me, I don't see the Chrysler building every day. I wish I did. Um, but hopefully I, I plan on doing that a little bit more going forward. And when I do have information of that sort, I'll, I'll pass it on to you so you can you can let people know. Cool. Finally, Michael, is there a, do you have your own website or a place that people can check out your, your work and stuff? Yeah. Uh, uh, Fargon World, all one word, fargonworld.blogspot.com forward slash poetry and that's like it's it's basically a blog but like I tag my poetry so that you can just find it all in one place fargonworld.blogspot.com yep slash poetry yep there's a lot of other cool. stuff in there too but the poetry is the, the more important of the bit right now well Michael thanks for uh, thanks for uh, spending so much time uh, with us this afternoon um, and uh, sharing with us your thoughts about all that stuff and your poetry as well Thank you, thank you. Like like I said, Rick, you guys are doing a great job, and uh, I downloaded all the podcasts today, so I'm going to be listening to them probably going well far into the evening. That's interesting. I don't know that anyone's done that before. Maybe you can you can uh, call back and let us know what the patterns are. 
Okay. You know, what are the things that I say over and over too much that I should stop saying? Um, or, or any other trends that would be interesting? No, to I, actually, I actually noticed, like I listened to one of them today, I, I noticed that you were a very good interviewer, so I made sure to come into this one prepared. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> you do a good job. This was a setup, I see. <laughs> but I, oh, appreciate, all right, I appreciate your time, and uh, uh, keep up the good work, and just know that you, you've got a fan here. Well, uh, thank you so much. That's uh, I'm honored to have a one fan somewhere. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Rick. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. That was uh, Michael Bernard call, calling from uh, Hudson Valley, uh, New York, the city of Montgomery. Um, if you want to call in the last few minutes of the show, uh, we got open lines. You can get you right on the air. The number is 646-716-7362. It's an open reading. Add your poems into the mix. Um, no content or style restrictions whatsoever. You're listening to Poetry Superhighway Live. It's our May 2009 open reading. Our next show is going to be in June, June 14th, I believe is the date, also our worldwide open reading. And uh, following that, we uh, will be getting closer to the launch of our contest. We will have a, a don't have the date scheduled for this yet, but we will have a conversation with our three contest judges. Um, I mentioned earlier, if you're considering sponsoring the contest, we'd love to, love to have you. Um, um, we, we give a prize of interest to poets and writers to every single person who enters the contest. And um, the only way we can do that is if you donate your stuff. So um, books, magazines, um, anything that you think would be of interest to poets and writers, um, just go to poetrysuperhighway.com, uh, click on Sponsor the 2009 Poetry Contest, and all the info is there. You can email me if you have any other questions. We always put together an impressive sponsor roster, and I, I'm sure this year will be no different. But uh, as we get a little closer to the contest, we will have our – actually, this will happen after the contest starts in July. We'll have a conversation with the three contest judges. Who will uh, so we'll get to know them a little bit. They'll read some poetry on the air, and uh, we will um, uh, have the chance to hear how it is they will be scoring your poems, what they look for when they when they read poetry. So it's you'll get some good insights if you're considering entering the contest by listening to that uh, that uh, conversation there. Um, so uh, so that's all happening now on the Poetry Superhighway. Um, well, another project that we're working on, I keep threatening to do this, and uh, I'm trying to gather enough material to get it going, but if you have uh, spoken word tracks, um, MP3s or anything of that nature, we'll be starting a separate podcast for, for a spoken word track, so probably a five, ten minute piece which will come out weekly or so, which will feature two different spoken word tracks. So we're seeking, uh, actively now seeking submissions of uh, spoken word tracks. You can just email uh, mp3s to uh, rick at poetrysuperhighway.com and uh, we will consider including them um, maybe on this show as a, uh, as a kind of a, as a trailer for that, a preview, um, but certainly on the actual podcast itself. I have an example. I, I, put, to, I put together a few um, of these myself. Um, this is one from a poem called uh, Picking Up Glass on the Piccadilly, which came, uh, which is a poem that appears in my book, Stolen Mummies. So this is a, a spoken word track as opposed to, I suppose, just a straight reading of the poem. I, I added some sound and did some mixing. So let me know what you think. This is called Picking Up Glass on the Piccadilly.
Picking up glass on the Piccadilly. Picking up one. Glass on the Piccadilly. I am picking up glass on the Piccadilly. Not the circus, the road. There is glass on the sidewalk, right by the glass. I am picking it up. I'm no martyr. Didn't break it. I'm just picking it up. Imagine little Prince William hopping barefoot up the road, blocks away from the palace, cuts his royal feet, spills his royal blood. Plebeian like me, slip on the blood, break open the head, sue royal family for a piece of ink. Turmoil, disaster, must pick up glass. Two. I want a car. I want a smart car. I want a car that is smart. Six feet long, steering wheel on left where it knows I want it to be. Smart car. Six feet long, fits only me. Want to carry someone else? Have to get another car. At these prices, can afford two. Smart car. It's smart. You're smart. Smack me. It's smart. Want to buy a smart everything. Smart jam. Smart tea. Smart smart man. Do my taxes. Do my taxes. Smart man. You so smart. Look smart. Smart two in your smart car. I want smart car. Three. Enter green three. Green striped chairs everywhere. Green How nice. Comfy chairs for everyone. Sit in chair. Right part one. Man with machine comes. Says one pound for the sit. Sorry. One pound for the sit in the chair. I had no idea. I'll get up. I have no interest in paying to sit down. Get up. Everyone leaves except the chair. Walk to tree. Sit on root of tree. Tree, three, tree, four, go to palace, wait one hour, wait two hours, wait six days, wait, come back in your next life, buy ticket, must see throne, royal highness sit there, buy ticket, wait, palace, throne, palace, throne. I buried Paul. I buried Paul. I buried Paul. I buried him. You want to find Paul? Better get a shovel. Dig him up because I buried him. I buried Paul. Paul, where are you? You look all buried. I buried Paul. It was me. from, uh, it's actually the CD which accompanies my book, Stolen Mummies. If you order that book, you uh, not only get a whole book of poems that I wrote in London a few years ago, but you get a CD of, which has a couple spoken word tracks, and mostly what it has is commentary. I wandered around London with a little uh, tape recorder. This is back in the days of tape recorders, and I recorded sounds and observations, and it's kind of funny, and I, it's an interesting companion to the the book itself. Um, I don't know, uh, the quality of Blog Talk Radio, it's pretty good for speaking, uh, but in terms of music and, and things like that, it did sound a little bit muddled with the, uh, with the various uh, layers that were, that were in there, um, uh, all happening at the same time. But the podcast will be MP3 quality um, and much better. So please do send us in your spoken word tracks. Just send me an email, rick at poetrysuperhighway.com with your spoken word track, and I would uh, love to consider it for the future editions of the Poetry Superhighway podcast. Um, thank you so much for listening to today's show. This has been the May 2009, 2009 edition of Poetry Superhighway Live. We do this show every single month. The next one is June 14th, uh, 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. Uh, that's when it'll be on live and when you'll be able to call in, of course, so you can listen to any of the shows in the archive uh, uh, after the fact, you can go back to the very beginning uh, of our first show uh, a year and a half ago or so and hear all the specials that we've done 
Um, you can subscribe to it via iTunes, via any any podcasting uh, software that you may use. Uh, you can hook it up with your RSS feed so you know when a shoot a shoot <laughs> a show comes out. Um, so if you miss a live show, you certainly won't uh, miss hearing it if if you feel like listening to it in the archive. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Thanks to the callers from. Lake Wells, Florida, Noreen Jenkins and Gary Snyder. And thanks again for the lengthy conversation from uh, Michael Bernard from the Hudson Valley. Um, everyone, have a lovely rest of your afternoon. <laughs>